This is episode 267 of the Beyond the Food Show, and today I'm going to teach you about being willing to be willing. This will allow you to achieve any goals. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dodier, clinical nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor, creator of the Going to Beyond the Food Method. And after a 25-year dieting career that started at the age of 12, I decided to say hell no to diet culture and hell yes to living my life to the fullest in my now body. And I made it my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently, unconditionally, right now. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hey, if you're new to the Going Beyond the Food Show, our podcast roadmap has been designed with you in mind. With over 250 episodes available to listen, it can feel overwhelming to know which episode to prioritize for you. The podcast guide answers the top five questions women have when they enter our world of going beyond the food to unlearn diet culture. To get your free copy of our podcast roadmap guide, head over to stephaniedoziate.com forward slash roadmap or use the hyperlink in the show notes. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, my sister. This episode, being willing to be willing, is the perfect complement to episode 266, goal setting. Think of that as like the next phase of goal setting. And we're going to get us started this time, this podcast, with a proverb, a Gaelic proverb that I found on the beautiful Google machine. And it goes like this, nothing is easy for the unwilling. Nothing is easy for the unwilling. Keep that in the back of your mind as I teach you the concept of being willing to be willing. Now, the title of this podcast, this being willing to be willing, actually came from the work that I did with one of my clients that we will call Maria. Maria is a lovely woman in her 50 who has been for most of our adult life, seeking to control our body, like most of us here. It started for her in her late teens with the traditional diet to shrink her naturally curvy body, always following the latest diet. And in her early 40s, she discovered yoga and, quote, health-based dietary restriction. And it evolved in the beginning of her 60s for her to become a cooking class teacher in a strict keto vegan. Like, the highest level of restriction possible, that's where she was at when we came to work together. And she had been following my work for a couple of years. She called herself a a lurker, (laughs) quietly watching me on videos and listening to my podcast and following me on social media, but never engaging. When we met for a consultation, she had struggled with her, quote, food craving for the, quote, forbidden food. And the overwhelming thoughts always centered around food all day, every day. Her anxiety was ramping up. She couldn't see any other option beyond how strict she already was to fix, quote, her problem. She knew there was a problem that could not be fixed with food. So we did the work. And then she realized that the real problem wasn't food, but how she engaged with her body. As most women that I work with, her mom 
was a chronic dieter herself, and she had taught her, Maria, her daughter, that the most important aspect of herself as a woman was her body or beauty and being a good girl, being pleasant to other people. And that's what my client attempted to do for almost 40 years, 35, 40 years, using food and health and her body as tool to control what people perceived of her. And in the process, she caused collateral damage to her relationship to food, to health, and to her body. The concept of being willing to be willing actually came in our last appointment together. And when I asked Maria why she had waited two plus year from the point of meeting me to the point of asking for help, why did it take so long? And, and that's what she answered me. You know, Stephanie, I wasn't willing I wasn't willing to feel my emotion and I'd rather manage my emotion and numb them than have to feel them. My emotion were something that terrified me. The fear of being seen and having someone else witness what was, I believe, to be terribly wrong with me, that fear paralyzed me. I kept waiting for you to offer a small, tiny step with very little commitment, a way of doing the work of healing my relationship to food that didn't require to have to make such a big change. That's what I perceived it to be, a big change. But that offer of a small step with what I believe to be very little commitment never happened. You never offered it. That's why I was waiting and lurking. What I didn't know is that the pain of my stagnation was much greater than the short, intense pain of discomfort, of feeling and learning to feel my emotion in the moment. And that's when she said it to me. I wasn't willing to be willing to give it a try. I wasn't willing to be willing to give myself a chance and at least try. Because I wasn't willing to be willing, I never bet on myself, but instead control myself. The moment I became willing to be willing, everything unfolded. And that's how we met. So Maria, thank you for your wisdom and the title of this podcast. The fear of taking action in the unknown and the paralysis that leads us into stagnation is not unique to Maria. It's present for most of us women. It's a normal reaction from our brain that commands us through our thoughts and our feeling and our action into staying put instead of pushing ourselves into the unknown. Maria's brain was doing its job perfectly, like perfectly, exactly how it was supposed to be. Maria was listening to my words on the podcast, just like you are now. My words were getting into her brain and her brain was responding with a big hell no. How did her brain do this hell no? How did her brain kept her into stagnation? Or very simply, her brain was offering her thoughts, thoughts of the terrible things that could happen if she executed on the concept that I thought on the podcast. And these thoughts were sending her into a spin 
of catastrophizing. As a result, she was overthinking about all the possible things that could go wrong. And that led her into not taking any action as a means to protect herself from the unknown, from all the terrible things that her brain was telling her that could happen. Her brain was doing exactly what it's meant to do to protect her from what her brain interpreted as a perceived danger, keeping her put into her zone of discomfort, what she described as food obsession, restricting, binging, painful body shaming thoughts. Her brain knew how to handle that discomfort. Her brain had became an expert at that discomfort for the last 40 years. Here's the thing, just like you are not your body, right? I've been teaching you that for 250 episodes or so, you are not your brain either. Maria wasn't her brain. Her brain was doing its job, but she believed her brain. What? Let me repeat that. Just like you are not your body, you are not your brain either. Women aren't their body. We use our body to experience life. We are thought that we are our body, that our beauty and the size of our body means something about us. But that's not true. Instead, our body is meant for us to experience life. Well, guess what? You're not your brain either. We use our brain. We should use our brain. We should be the observer, the manager of our brain, not the victim of it. Here's a tip for you. We do this in Conquer and Thrive in the second lesson, like right away from the beginning, because that's like a tipping point for many of us to detach ourselves from our brain. We teach our student to name their brain. We give our brain a name to help us detach from our brain. Don't laugh. (laughs) I know some of you are laughing right now, but it's so freaking effective. When my teacher taught me that, it was a game changer. By the way, my brain name is Lizzie. Lizzie is my brain. Lizzie offer me thoughts. I don't have to believe them. That's her job. And it's a her, by the way. So she offers me thoughts. I look at them. I become the observer. I've became the observer of my thought. And then I decide if I'm going to believe these thoughts or not. You see, your brain has been created to keep you safe, to keep you alive, to keep you surviving as long as possible, living the human experience. Your brain number one goal is to survive. Over time and over experience, your brain creates maps, maps that outline sure ways for you to survive. We often describe these maps as patterns, neural connection, depending how fancy you get with your language. But let's think of it as patterns. Your brain fears new experience. Your brain does all that it can to avoid the new because it has no maps for it. In your most simplistic way, your brain perceives the new thing as a danger because it doesn't have a map for it. 
And then it react according to it being a danger, being a threat to your survival. This is when your quote pattern will arise. Avoidance, perfectionism, control freak, <laughs> idealistic thoughts, magical thinking, and many other ones. All these patterns leads you directly to staying put, to not take any action towards new. That's what the patterns are meant to do, to keep you put and safe. Your brain has a motto. Hell no to the new and hell yes to the old. Your brain is like, where we are right now is safe. I know exactly how to deal with your life right now. I can keep you safe and surviving. It's what your brain is thinking and it's talking to you. Meanwhile, you are listening to this podcast or reading a book and contemplating perhaps about letting go of the food rules or perhaps stopping this hateful thoughts you have about your body. And as you're contemplating, your brain will quickly reply, listen, dude, if you do this new thing, this and that is going to happen. I don't know how to manage this and that. So you know what, girl? We're staying put right here. Meanwhile, you're thinking, but it seems so much better. If I could only eat intuitively and not have to shame my body all the time, maybe I could. And then your brain will interrupt you and say, sister, I get it. Where you are right now may not feel the best, but it's freaking safe. Trust me, this and that is dangerous. This is where the willingness to be willing comes in. This is where the road breaks into two paths. Path number one is the women who will listen to their brain and the thoughts it's offering to them that there is a danger in changing the status quo, who will feel fear in their body and result into taking no action. These women aren't willing to be willing to not listen to their brain. Or pet number two is a woman that will watch their brain offer them the exact same thought as a woman in pet number one, the thoughts about potential danger of changing the status quo. But instead of listening and acting upon these thoughts and believing the fear, that second group of women will disregard these thoughts and instead think, I'm willing to be willing. I'm willing to give it a try. I'm willing to give myself a chance and try. To create any new result in your life, career advancement, change of beliefs around food, to perhaps become an intuitive eater from a chronic dieter, to become a body neutral woman instead of a body shaming woman, any change, career, family change, partner change, any change. We have to be willing to do two things as women. Number one, we have to be willing to feel our emotion. And two, we have to change our perspective on failure. So let me dissect number one. We have to be willing to feel our emotion. If you are unwilling to face your fear and face your emotion and feel them, then forward progress on improving our quality of our life will not be easy. You have to be willing to tell your brain, hey, Lizzie, 
I get it, sister. It's your job to keep me safe and avoid the unknown and the anxiety of newness. But you know what, girl? Moving forward is what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to feel this emotion because I really want what's on the other side, the new result. That's what we call in Conquer and Thrive, managing your brain. First module inside of Conquer and Thrive, because that's everything. You will not become... You will not shift from being a chronic dieter to an intuitive eater if you're not willing to face these fears and not listen to your thoughts. Just like Maria and me, who for 25 years was stuck into dieting cycle. I wanted the result, the result of freedom, of peace, of liberation. I wanted the thing, but for 25 years, I didn't want to go through the process. Well, the process was never offered to me until the last couple of years of this cycle. So I can't really say I wasn't willing. I didn't even know that there was such a thing as intuitive eating and didn't even know that dieting was an option, that I didn't have to do it. But right? But when I learned that it existed, there was a period of my life where I wasn't willing to go through the process. The process of being uncomfortable and feeling the fear and the anxiety, but still persisting in doing. Many of us as women have been raised into the dream that we can purchase the results, that we can skip over the discomfort of doing something new to get the results. That's when it often comes as a question, well, just Stephanie, give me a tiny step, just like Maria was saying. But you know what? There's no tiny steps. You either feel your emotion and learn to process them and then move forward, or you don't. There's no in-between. We can't skip the discomfort of doing new action to get a new result, even with food and body. Now, hear me out here. It's not about learning to ignore your feeling of fear, because that doesn't work neither. But it's about learning to investigate it, to question it, to challenge your brain and your thoughts. And here's the thing, when you start to detach from being your brain, when you start start naming your brain and start seeing your thoughts for what they are, just thoughts and strings of words put together, you can start asking the key question, what do I fear? What's behind the fear? And then you can feel the fear for what it is and then process it and then release it. Remember, to create any new result in your life, you need to be willing to fear your emotion. But there's also point number two. We have to change our perspective on failure. And how most women relate to failure is actually false, wrong. Let me explain. As women, we are socialized to be, quote, good girls, to be perfect, to obey the rules, to perform the rules perfectly. That's why we are unconsciously chasing the thin ideal. We're told over and over by our mom, by marketing, by the magazine, by the TV, that the gold standard body for a woman is the thin ideal. So as good girls, we chase that perfection relentlessly even if it makes us feel terrible. To motivate this relentless chase of perfection, women are also socialized to see failure as the most terrible thing that can happen to us. 
Any failure in our relentless pursuit of perfection mean that we are unworthy. That's what we're being thought. And that's how diet culture has a firm grip on women because of this socialization to failure. Let me illustrate this for you of what that can look like in a typical woman's life. Diet culture will say to women, your body is a failure. You don't adhere to the thin ideal. And here's the solution, dieting. And then the woman will say, I know diet culture, but I lose the weight and then gain it all back. I'm not sure that diet works for me. And that's when diet culture pipes up and says, well, honey, that's your fault. You failed the diet. Shame on you. You failed us, the diet, diet culture. It's your fault. See all these before and after picture? It works for everyone else except you. You are the problem, not us. And then we respond, you're right, I failed. I'm a terrible person. And then we go into torpedo of shame. And we stay in that shame torpedo until it feels so terrible that we decide to go back on the next diet. And that's how diet culture gets its grip on us. With every failure to achieve the 10 idol, we have effectively rewired our brain even stronger and stronger and stronger that failure is a terrible thing and must be avoided. I know for me, it was wired very early on (laughs) that my inability to sustain deprivation and restriction of dieting meant that I was a bad person. And that wiring, that connection in my brain, that definition stayed with me up to my early 40s. That wiring, that belief that I held within me meant that I wasn't seeking change and not seeking growth either, but just repeating patterns. When we believe that our failure is about our worth as a human, we do everything we can to avoid it. Typically, inaction and unwillingness to create change in our life. When I went through the process of dismantling diet culture out of my life and really out of my brain, reframing my belief about failure was a pivotal moment for me. Through self-coaching, I was able to rewire my brain to engage with failure differently. Failure today means for me an opportunity to learn about a process or about an experience, to see how the process or the experience has worked or not worked and what I could do the same or differently the next time. If I don't like the result that I got, then I have to do differently next time. Failure for me today is an opportunity to learn, to assess the process, not assess myself. That's when I really took control of my life. That's when I was able to look back at all my diets and say, well, clearly the dieting process has failed me. I was then willing to be willing to learn intuitive eating and let go of the food rolls. That's when I became willing to be willing to also make peace with my body, to learn and practice body neutrality until it became part of me. Today, it's my new normal. That's how I can post picture of my body on social media without going straight into panic. Failure today is about the process, not me. Past failure don't create more failure either. And let me add something to this. Past failure don't create more failure as long as you challenge the process, 
not the person. And sister, this is why diet culture is so freaking effective, not to use the other F words. Instead of blaming the standard of the thin ideal as being the failure or the dieting process being the failure, we blame ourselves. If we weren't socialized to be, quote, good girls, if you've never heard me talk about that, by the way, go listen to podcast 249. If we weren't socialized to be, quote, good girls, we wouldn't believe ourselves to be the failure and we would challenge the process of dieting, the gold standard of the tin ideal as well. Sister, we would never go back to failing diets over and over again. Think about this for a minute. We wouldn't be doing that. And this shit has to stop. Diet are scientifically researched, demonstrated to be a 91 to 95% failure rate. Placing the blame on ourselves instead of the system is keeping us stuck as women. Failure should move us forward into success. But instead, the way we are socialized, failure keeps us stuck. And in some way, it keeps us adhering to patriarchal values. It keeps us stuck at being obedient, good girl. Investigating your own relationship to failure now, two questions you can ask yourself. How did you react to your last failure? Did it send you into a spiraling of shame? Or maybe it sent you quitting? Or maybe you avoid taking new action altogether so you just don't fail, just like I was. To be willing to be willing, we must redefine failure and give our brain less reason to fear the new. Changing how we define failure will help our brain and will help us take action into the unknown. So we started the podcast with this quote, nothing is easy for the unwilling. If you are trying to set new goals for yourself, any goals, becoming an intuitive eater, accepting your body, looking to evolve or grow in any way, and you want to make this time the time where you are going to actually do it, to achieve it, to get past your fear, I want you to reflect on these questions I'm going to outline right now. Are you willing to redefine failure? Are you willing to see fear-based thoughts from your brain that guarantee your brain will give you as just thoughts and be the observer of your thoughts? Are you willing to not react in fear to these thoughts? Are you willing to see that these thoughts you're having are the result of the socialization you were brought into, not that you're broken? Are you willing to feel the fear that your brain will give to you and still take action towards your goal? Are you willing to take a chance on yourself? Are you willing to bet on yourself that you can achieve this new goal? Are you willing to be willing to have the intention to be willing to be willing. If you are here, sister, at the end of this podcast, and you want to work on this, setting your goals, being willing to be willing, changing the way 
you engage with your brain, with the emotion of fear, come and join us inside of Conquer and Thrive. That's our focus. And we will help you and support you in your journey of being willing to be willing. Hey, you, if you enjoy listening to this show, you have to come and check Conquer and Thrive. It's my monthly coaching program that comes with expert courses that will show you exactly how to take this life-changing work and apply it into your own life. We teach you how to change your mindset, eat intuitively, and master body confidence. That you've decided to stop dieting today or years ago, Conquer and Thrive will help you take this knowledge deeper into real-life practices. It comes with access to me as your coach and my team of experts. Join us by simply going to www.stephaniedodzie.com forward slash join. I can't wait to meet you inside our Conquer and Thrive community. I'll see you on the other side.